The following is a presentation of Morning Drive Media. We're back for a special edition, a bonus edition of Casterly Talk. It's like the 16th official episode. It counts. This is canon, but it's just me, Ken Napsok, talk to you guys. You know what? I'll be honest with you. Here's the deal. I, I was going to board a plane to San Francisco, California, do some stand-up comedy with Mark Ellison at the time of this recording. Well, our flight, it was delayed. So I'm home kind of waiting. I was like, do I turn on a video game or do I talk to you all here in the Casterly Talk fandom? Game of Thrones, Phantom Song of Ice and Fire. This season rolls on. Season 8. It's inciting a lot of opinions. A lot of opinions. And I'm not, I'm not here to change your opinion, uh, bolster your opinion. I'm, I'm not here to do anything. I'm here to do what I always enjoy doing, which is enjoying Game of Thrones. I love this stuff. I see every episode. It's the next chapter in the story. And if I see something that seems a little weird, a little little uh, out of character or bizarre in the story. I wait. I just wait and see. Where does it go? Sometimes it might go nowhere. Do I like everything straight across? A plus all the way around? Well, not really. I'm kind of slightly confused uh, at the brawn storyline in season eight. That's a little minor thing. I know other people are, well, they have a lot of problems with everything. And it's a weird time because I thought Ace and I on Monday was just us, Rachel and Lon couldn't join us last minute unfortunately i thought i thought we did the best we could being honest with our feelings our thoughts and, and we're pretty much aligned but very different in some some things and some issues and some ways we watch the show but i i want to appreciate uh, i do appreciate and i want to express my appreciation to all of you in casterly talk who uh who uh, reached out and said we appreciate what you're saying a lot of appreciation going around here it's tough and to those on uh youtube this one's not going on youtube who are uh Calling us amateurs, saying we're casual Game of Thrones fans. God bless you. Seven blessings on you. Seven blessings on you. We're here. I did want to have, this is just a quick little bonus episode, and uh, there's some questions I wanted to get to, and I know a lot of you might call in with questions for the entire team. It's just me tonight. I apologize, but it's just a quick little episode with these questions. We got some good ones, and some of them actually are from previous episodes, and I just didn't get to them. Uh, number one, I'm, I'm, I'm readjusting to life with anchor uh when i used to do daily thrones it was i what i did daily i had a, I had a game of thrones show about 10 minutes or more every day for over a year every day seven days a week occasionally took some time off so i was in the anchor rhythm with the anchor you know if you're on the app if you have the anchor app you can call leave a message and I want to try to get to more of those. We got to some of those in the last episode of Cashly Talk with Andres Cabrera. But now I have some sitting around. And instead of waiting for Monday, I wanted to uh, answer them with you all here because there's some good questions. Now, the first one is uh, from a couple weeks ago. Let me see what I got here. A couple weeks ago. And uh, that means, you know, we have some answers. But I still think it, it, it was a good thought starter for me. And I wanted to uh, bring it up, play it, and talk about it here. This call is from our friend Alton Diaz. Hey guys, Alden Diaz here. Just wanted to get your thoughts on my read of the Jamie and Brienne nighting scene. Not only is it the culmination of Brienne's arc, where she now finally gets something for herself after a life of faithful servitude and duty, but I think it also caps off Jamie's arc perfectly too. We've got this scene now where two character arcs come to a perfect conclusion, two characters holding two halves of what was once the same sword. 
because Jamie now finally got to be part of a moment of undisputed honor, something with witnesses, something that can make him feel validated. Unlike when he you know, slayed the Mad King, now people have always looked at that the wrong way. Now he has something that people can truly write down on his page in the Book of Brothers. Turns out that his great deed was in raising someone else up to a similar status. So I'm just curious what your thoughts are on that. And thanks for everything you do. Love the show. Thanks, Alden, uh, calling in here uh, with a great question. That was, again, a couple weeks ago after the big uh, Long Night episode. Actually, excuse me, not the, the one prior to Long Night where we saw the great nighting scene. And we've seen where the story's gone. And uh, still, though, some this this question, when I when I heard it uh, today, it, it got me thinking about Jamie, got me thinking about Brianne and where this all goes and this idea that we think Jamie's running off to kill Cersei, maybe, but I don't think I, I still go to the idea that Jamie doesn't know he's going down to kill Cersei. He might think he's running back. The creators talked about him being addicted to her. And I still think that's good. I, I think he broke Brienne's heart and to this direct complaint. And I, I saw it in some circles that, you know, just some of the dark corners of the internet complaining that, well, strong Brienne is now reduced to a sniveling, crying, uh, you know, woman begging for her man. If that's how you took that, uh, I'm not going to take that away from you. But I, I think there's great strength in feeling emotional and feeling vulnerable. And I look at Brienne as a even more complete character following this, you know, essentially a breakup, a dump, big old dumping, a romantic break. Ouch. Ouch, babe. And what would you want Brienne to do? She's a fully functional, fully evolved, fully living character, full uh, woman experiencing all sides of life. And she had this great joy with what uh, I was talking about with the, cor- the, 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 the coronation uh, of being a knight and that great moment for her. We all thought maybe that means she's dead. She's still alive, which I think she's going all the way in to the end because I just don't think the producers and especially George R. R. Martin, you know, yes, they make the producers make some decisions on who gets killed that we're not happy with sometimes or we don't understand fully. But Brienne's just too too important of a character. And we've been we 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 really are with her on this journey. She's she's a lead character. She's a fully developed character. And and I I think some of the other deaths are are not. They're 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 side characters, and that's just the way it is. Uh um so I, I think she's gonna make it to the end, and I think it's possible that uh, she'll survive this as too. She, she's survived every fight she's had. She's kicked and screamed and bit and clawed her way through every fight she's had and sometimes just defeated people quite easily because she's Brienne of Tarth, or as the Hound would say, Brienne of fucking Tarth. Um, I definitely don't think she runs north and ends up with Tormund. No, no, no. I'm not suggesting that at all. But I, I So I actually like this moment for Brienne, and we're focusing on Brienne here, but this is what the call got me thinking first about uh i i i feel sorry for her. i feel i feel i want to hold her to hug her and tell her you don't need jamie you're probably better than jamie but at the same time if they end up together maybe this is what happens again the story unfolds we have two more chapters and uh, maybe it doesn't get resolved maybe that's it but the character will grow from it the character showed a vulnerability that is just as powerful to me as her being stoic and brave and violent in some of her other moments, you know, it's a well, it's a full circle of a character. But as for Jamie, I I understand what he's saying. I said a little bit on the show last week when he's like, you know, you think I'm good. I'm horrible. I'm horrible. Don't love me. 
he's come a long way, but he's not there yet. And Alden, Alden brought a great point into this conversation. He did do a great deed in terms of the land, in terms of the story, the uh, Westeros. He killed the Mad King. The Mad King was going to burn them all. It wasn't going to be great. It's going to be really bad. And he did a heroic act. He got his hands dirty, though. And Ned Stark, and I don't fault Ned. There's already some tensions between the Lannisters. Good old, good old stubborn Ned walks on in and, and sees the end of this, and Jamie doesn't back down from it. Much like he doesn't back down to Daenerys and, and anyone when he stands, stands trial, so to speak, in Winterfell. You want me to apologize for this? I will not. I will not. I did it in a time of war. I did it for my family. I did it for the realm, essentially, the Mad King one. So I love what Alden's saying there that uh, one great deed didn't really have a witness. Ned didn't necessarily witness it. He sees the aftermath. But now he has this Brienne moment, the knighting of Brienne. He does a good thing. And there are witnesses. Now Jamie, Jamie knows that they know. But does he accept it? I don't think he's accepted it yet. It's all too much. He wants it. He wants to, I think, end up with Brienne. But you hear him talking about the North. His heart's not in it yet. Maybe it will be. Maybe he'll die. But I think there's still some interesting beats left in both of their stories, but particularly Jamie, and maybe their stories are not intertwined anymore. Maybe, maybe Jamie, in going down to submit himself to Cersei, going down to joining up with Cersei, and maybe he gets jealous at Euron's presence, a little fight over the baby. Maybe it is that. I don't know. I don't know where that's going on. But I still think Jamie will learn to accept the love and respect that he's maybe now earned from some people that he hasn't allowed himself to feel. And in that, he'll once again do the right thing. Maybe this time, the kingdom will thank him for it. Alden, thank you for that call. Again, a couple weeks ago, but thought starters. That's what we're looking for here. We got uh, this fun call here from our good friend, Jeff, and he's not alone. Hey, Ken, this is uh, Jeff, a.k.a. Scribbler. I'm hanging out at work with a bunch of my nursing friends. Hi, Ken. And uh, we have a Game of Thrones question for you. Uh, as, a, as an avid book reader, I, I've been, uh, I'm really intrigued by a lot of the different locations uh, that we've been introduced to. And the show has really done a bang-up job of like really bringing them to life and making them feel really lived in and, and just very real. Um, so my question is, are there any of the locations from the books that we haven't seen on the show yet that you guys on the council would like to see on the show? Um, and for any of you guys that aren't book readers, are there any locations that we've seen before that you'd like to see again? And this doesn't have to be dependent on plot. We don't have to make it work that way. Just anything you guys would like to see. Can't wait to hear your answer. Thanks, guys. Winner is here. Winner is here indeed. Thank you, Jeff Scribbler, uh, Patreon supporter of mine as well. Uh, and, I, and this is a great question for Rachel and Lon and Andres and anyone who comes in here to Game of Thrones. It's kind of like the Star Wars questions of what new planet would you like to see? What old planet would you like to see? What planet would you like to live on in Star Wars? What lands, what, uh, what locations in the world of Ice and Fire would you like to see in uh, the show? And... It's interesting, running through, like, on the show, 
I, uh, you know, I, I'm glad we got to see like the last uh, hearth uh, where the umbers are, but it was a bad ending for the umbers. We don't spend a lot of time there, but get, glad I got to see it. Glad we got to see Bear Island. I'd like to see uh, the Shadow Tower uh, for the wall. I'd like to th- see things like that. I'd like to spend more time in Dorne. A lot of people would. Not a commentary on uh, the, the, the Dorne arc in the show, but I'd like to see it a little bit more. It was fun to see High Garden, but we didn't spend time there. A lot of those big locations, you know, the High Garden one was a great example. We just kind of saw it. The battle was not on screen. Uh, the you know, Alenda Tyrell stuff, which was uh, still, I think, my favorite death in the show. Um, spectacular ending there. Uh, tragic ending, bittersweet. Um, but, you know, we don't spend time there. Old Town. I would have liked to spend a little more time in Old Town. I know we didn't kind of need it. Sam gets there and he gets out. That's fine. In the books, we already spent a lot more time in there in book four. But in terms of what we can see, and with the prequel series, even though it's going to be kind of a different team behind it, I got to imagine it's going to have a similar look and aesthetic. There are some lands that I want to see. I'll start with, it's it's all the mysterious ones. Was it Sotheros? The mysterious, uh, you know, the entire world down there in in the south of the of the map. I'd like to see more of that. North. Sande of North, rest in peace. I still think I, I like the idea of Grey Worm ending up there. Maybe we'll see that on the show, but in the prequel series, probably not. Uh, and then there's a lot of things in Essos. We do spend a lot of time in Essos, obviously, uh, especially early on in the show. Um, but I would, I don't know if we'll ever see a, a shy by the shadow. I wish we would, wish we could, but that goes for the books as well as the show. But I'd love to see what that looks like to a production designer, to a cinematographer who's going to shoot it, to a director who's going to um, take us through that land. And it's such a mysterious land. We could get something in the prequel series. I don't know. Casually Talk, after season eight wraps, we're going to go on. Casually Talk is not done. It, it might be a biweekly show for a while, but we're going to start really looking into the Age of Heroes and the long night, the first long night, all those kind of things. And we'll, we'll probably talk a lot about shy by the shadow i'd like to see that there and the lands of always winter it's almost kind of the ice and fire of the map head north i do believe we saw some of it and what was that season four was that season four where they take craster's last son the white walker takes him all the way up there to that kind of ice castle we get to see the night king for the first time we get to see what his, his powers are uh, love that stuff it's not book stuff by the way Love that stuff. And to me, I, I took it as, and maybe there's some clarification out there that I missed, but I took that as the lands of always winter. And uh, we were joking last week about maybe that's where John and Ghost end up. I'd like to see that. And then where I still think Arya Stark might end up. We'll see. It's very tough to place bets down on what's going to happen here as we start to wrap up because there's so much to get to and we'll see. But I, I still love Arya Stark heading west of west. I really like that idea. So maybe we'll see that. I'll ask this question again sometime with uh, my other guests. It's a great one, Scribbler. Thank you to all your team up there. Uh, You and your fellow nurses do uh, great work. Jeff uh, has done a lot of charity work. You can go to KenAppsock.com, go to the Charity Spotlight page to find out more information on some of the charity work that Jeff's involved in that we've sponsored or helped spread the word on uh, the uh, KenAppsock.com website there. We're going to take a quick break, come back with a final question. This is the question that made me think, I have to do a special episode before I fly out of here. Stick around.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, we're back here in Castle Talk. Bonus episode, episode 16, me taking some of your calls through the Anchor app. Check it out if you haven't done so. This podcast is available in a lot of spots, 12 spots, including Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, all the like. Search for it on your favorite podcast site if you're not happy where you're listening to it right now. I'm putting the episode reviews audio only up on YouTube, which has been great. Though it has brought in some people who generally don't listen to my work, and that brings some pretty passionate opinions, which is fine. Sometimes. But it's the ones that, when you, when you call me a shill, you don't, uh, it's like Princess Bride. That word, I don't, I don't think it means what you think it means, you know? Uh, here, right, here we go. Let's not get negative. Let's celebrate Game of Thrones. Let's have great conversations and thoughts and sometimes get it all wrong. That's what I love. I love going, well, here's what I think, and then that's not what happens. I think it gets kind of boring when you can predict the story. This is a call here from our friend TJ. Hey, what's going on, Ken? I've been listening to your podcast since the days when it was called Daily Thrones. But I do have a question for you about Daenerys. So in season six, she says, Lannister, Baratheon, Stark, Tyrell, they're all just spokes on a wheel. This one's on top, then that one's on top, and on and on it spins, crushing those on the ground. I'm not going to stop the wheel. I'm going to break the wheel. When she says break the wheel, what do you think is her meaning to that? Because in my opinion, breaking the wheel means that she's just going to get rid of the Iron Throne. But from this season, it seems like she just wants to take the Iron Throne for herself. So I really like to get your thoughts about that. Thanks for such a great podcast, Ken. Thank you, TJ, for such a great call and supporting me back in the Daily Thrones days. Uh, this this was a great call. I was just uh, checking on it today. I was actually showing some people uh, at Collider, like Anchor, suggesting maybe they switch their podcast. And I was like, hey, you get you get messages. And I saw this one. I clicked on it. And I was like, oh, TJ's asked a great question. This is another one that I, you know, I'd love to have the team here for. But you get just my opinion here right now. We can ask other people. First of all, TJ, I don't know if you wrote that quote down or not, but you delivered it perfectly. I love that quote. I think it's a core quote as it as 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 it is for you know if it's a core Danny quote 
core to who she is. And I, I gotta tell you, I, I, you know, when she, this one's on top, this one's on top, TJ, perfect reading of that quote. I think that definition for Danny, it's easy for us. I've always been one of the ones that say a democracy returns to the land. The Iron Throne isn't there. At one point, I thought Baelish will take the throne, but he will be uh, ruling over the ashes. Something that, uh, you know, was once said of him. He'd burn it, burn it all down to rule over the ashes. Uh, I'm paraphrasing, whereas TJ's got the quote exactly down. Uh, so I think what it means in the end might be changing for us as an audience. But now I'm starting to wonder if it's always meant this for Danny. She does want to break the wheel. She wants to come over from Essos and change things, just like she's changed it in Slaver's Bay, which will eventually become uh, becomes the Bay of Dragons. And she runs into those problems, put a pin in that. But I, I think in her mind, and this is where people can, I think, sometimes think Danny is full of herself or arrogant, and I don't think that's entirely true. Um. What's wrong with a little confidence? Danny should have some confidence. She has some belief. Go back to the spice trader. Yeah, he's a little condescending to her. Definitely is. But uh, I think he's uh, truly like, I admire your passion. Maybe you'll take the Iron Throne. Iron Throne, just not with my ships. Danny's always been passionate about what she believes and comes to believe is her destiny. She doesn't believe that at first. When we first meet Daenerys Targaryen, I don't think she's thinking about the Iron Throne. It's her brother's throne to have if if anyone's going to take it. And along the way, she realizes he wasn't worthy. And then along the way, she feels as though she's worthy. And again, I don't think that's a bad thing. Jon Snow currently, or Aegon Targaryen the 49th, uh he probably is being told he's worthy, maybe feels he's worthy, but doesn't want to be worthy. It doesn't, that's great, and, and we love John for it, but I don't want to applaud John for, eh, you know, I don't want it. And I don't want to talk negatively of Danny for going, yeah, no, I want it. I want it. Because in this world, it's hers. I mean, now she, of course, believes as would anyone, that it's John's or Aegon Targaryen, the 992nds. Um, so that causes her some righteous panic because she knows people will definitely want to put him on the throne. Even if their right to it was currently equal, they'd put him on the throne. That's why I love that conversation with Tyrion and Varys. It's very honest. Varys is saying he's got the better claim in a lot of ways, not just the lineage, not just being first in line, so to speak, but he's a man and that's what's going to cause people to do it. And and Tyrion's right to say, well, that's, you know, being a man doesn't mean you deserve it. Varys, I think, agrees. Yeah, but we're talking the politics of it. I think that's a very realistic thing and that should frustrate you. Again, as we talked on the show this past week, like some of the storytelling should make you feel queasy, should frustrate you because we're dealing with a realistic story. So I think all this, when I think about it, and TJ's is a great thought starter, man. Going back to that quote, I think, not that she thought she'd be a welcomed conqueror, but she's been told enough 
uh, whether it's the, hey, they whispered, uh, you know, they whisper for your return in taverns. They want you back. They want the Targaryens back. They want the name back. Whether she believes those, and she shouldn't believe all of it, but she's had some good people say, yeah, it's possible. I love the stuff with Barristan telling her what kind of person Rhaegar Targaryen really was, which I, I think he would have been the best ruler, and I think she can look at him, her brother, and now John's father is uh, the gold standard that never really was. So she comes over here with this idea of, I will take it from these people who are treating everyone bad. All these houses, it creates a system that holds down people. It creates a system, while there's not necessarily slavery in Westeros, it's some maybe might view it not too far from it. The economic differences and the uh, the lifestyles and Flea Bottom versus the Red Keep. Danny's probably very aware of that. I think she's very aware of that. She's empathetic to that. She's sympathetic to that. She knows it. She feels it. She has people around her who've been through that stuff. Tyrion has had a rich, privileged life. Spent a little bit of time uh, down in the dumps there in season five and six, but... Davos, if he's around her, she's listening to him at all. He's a flea bottom vet. Varys climbed himself, uh, climbed out of the sewer, so to speak, and uh, on and on. Grey Worm, the Sand Day. Danny is surrounded by people who probably not shy in reminding her that you could help those people because Cersei Lannister and House Lannister, Tyrion, for all you know, the good he has done, and for all the good in his heart. And he's, you know, Tyrion's got a lot of save the cat moments. I think of, uh, think of the moment going back when he walks in on Pycelle to, uh, you know, catches him in the lie and cuts his beard off and throws him in the black cells. And there's the prostitute there and he puts the extra gold down for her. Um, that's a save the cat moment for the Tyrion character. Uh, he's House Lannister, but he's a good guy, you know. But that doesn't mean he's done a ton of things to help the small folk. And Jorah's very, very right um, that uh, the people don't care, right? They don't care about the Game of Thrones. They just pray for a long summer and all those things. So I think all that's in Danny's head when she says that, when she gives her great break the wheel speech. Because I think she's going to come over and she's going to rule because that's the system in place. She's going to rule. She feels she's destined to rule. She is supposed to. And I think in her heart, she believes she will do a good job. And she will do a good job. If given the chance. If she doesn't have to worry about war, doesn't have to worry about burning places down, doesn't have to worry about people trying to cut her down, stand in her way, disparage her, overlook her. For a long time, she's overlooked as a little girl. Don't forget in the book, she's 13, 14. Going back to that Spice Trader, I love the Spice Trader character, but he's clearly, all right, cute little girl screaming about your dragons. She's dealt with all of that. She knows she'd be a good queen. But by the time she gets to Marine, and remember, she sits there and says, I'm going to stay here. I'm going to stay in Marine because I've overthrown two other spots. Astapor, Yunkai. 
I've gone in there and I've broke the chains and now things aren't good after I've left. I've got to stay. I can't rule Westeros unless I got a little bit of a resume. So let me do it. Marine doesn't go smooth. It really, really plays out that way in the books. We're dealing with the show right here, right now. I think it's the same. She learns, but then it's time. It's time. Now it's time. Now we're going to go conquer. Dario Naharis tells her, you're a conqueror, Daenerys Stormborn. But I think she thinks I'm going to go conquer. I'm going to win. And I'm going to sit on that iron throne. And I'm going to treat people right. But now it didn't go her way. She listened to her advisors. Things happen. I don't think you can blame every advisor. Sometimes you just get out to maneuver and outplayed in the battlefield. She burns the Tarleys, and people don't like that. And it's kind of like, well, I'm, I'm, look, I'm making a command decision. But people fight that. Think of Alistair Thorne talking to Jon Snow in season four, episode eight, Watchers on the Wall. Excuse me, episode nine. Apologize. Right? Yeah. Ooh, been a while. The whole speech about clever little twats and leadership. That is a leadership speech. You want to know what it's like to be a boss and how hard it is, how hard it is to truly be a leader? Go to Alistair Thorne talking to Jon Snow. And it carries over to Daenerys. She had to believe in her decision. Even though burning the Tarleys wasn't received well, she has to stand by it. She has to stand by it. And Olena Tyrell saying to her, season seven, you're a dragon. Be a dragon. I think all this is rolling around her head, and the idea of breaking the wheel never changed for Danny, and it hasn't changed for Danny. She wants that Iron Throne because she knows she can do good with it. She doesn't want to be a tyrant. People may say oh, she's acting like a tyrant. I think she's been pushed into that. And after this last episode, she is absolutely being pushed into it. I don't know why I personally, me personally, why I really like this episode. I don't think Daenerys Targaryen is just being, quote, made to be the bad guy or the big bad here, or we're supposed to think she's the Mad Queen. I think there are some real justifiable reasons for her to decide enough's enough. I'm burning the bitch down. It's just, I think, our definition of what Danny meant by breaking the wheel. Maybe we had it wrong. Maybe we misunderstood. Uh, I was one of the ones who believed there, there will be democracy. So Danny will, uh, I won, but let's burn down the Iron Throne. Let's take Drogon and just burn it on down. Maybe I was the foolish one. So therefore... And this is also, also, by the way, why I think Sansa des- deserves a lot of credit. She realizes what Danny wants. She wants all of us to bend a knee because, again, I'm rambling here, TJ and listeners, I'm rambling, but Danny's idea of breaking the wheel is I got this. I'll sit on the throne. You all bend the knee so I can treat everyone right in the kingdom. The North. You need to be in line, too. Sansa's holding, even though, again, I think Sansa's really justified in some of her things and justified about being dubious of Daenerys. Sansa's thinking of the old way. In fact, the really old way, prior to Torrin Stark, the king who knelt. It's fascinating. This is also why I really love this season of Game of Thrones. 
because everyone's got a solution and every solution seems somewhat good. I can get behind almost every solution that's been put out there by the major characters. So to go to your question, TJ, what do I think it means now? I think it means what it always has meant for Danny, her destiny, her lineage. And then in her heart, believing that once she gets it, she can do good. The tragedy might be that no one else believes her, that no one over here trusts her. And maybe she should have stayed in Essos. We'll find out. It's great stuff. Great thought starter. Great questions, all of you. If you got a question, you want to get on this coming uh, week's episode, just uh, uh, get the Anchor app, download it, follow us on Casterly Talk, and you can leave a message there. You have about one minute to do it. For those who don't know, you got to get it, get in, get out, be clear, concise, get your point across, and we'll put the uh, put those on the episodes. And then we'll do uh, do this going forward too. Just because season eight's wrapping up does not mean Casterly Talk is going away. We're here for a while. So if you haven't already, subscribe uh, on uh, Apple Podcasts and uh, whatever, you know, leave a comment, uh, rate and review, all those things that we're supposed to say, do it. You can follow me at Kednapsock. Go to Kednapsock.com, get information on where to get my Star Wars book, Why We Love Star Wars, The Great Moments of Built a Galaxy Far, Far Away. It's going to be released next week from Mango Publishing. Excited, nervous. I hope you guys enjoy it. So that is it. We'll see you for the breakdown of episode Five. We're almost done. Unbelievable. That's Casually Talk. Thanks for listening. <laughs>